Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Um, but everyone, we are going to take a break from our regular Christmas schedule this morning because I'm on assignment from Pastor Jared. I, I did a message a few Fridays ago, and when he was uh, heading off to Melbourne, he said to me, while I'm away, I want you to preach that same message on the Sunday. And so I'm, I've revised uh, a message from a Friday for this morning, and it's really for people that missed it. Um, but also, I know, I, I, I agree, Pastor Jared's heart was that it's a great message to hear again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know I wrote it, but I, I think, you know, anyway. Just <laughs> a bit massive blessing. It's incredible. Um, but I do think it's an area of our life where it's, you're never going to land. You're never going to make it. Um, and so the, I think it would only be a disappointment this morning if you have arrived at the destination. So if you have arrived, um, if you're available at the end for people to take photos with you at the front, please come forward. That'd be awesome. Um, but we, <laughs> we're going to talk this morning about godly friendship. We're going to talk about godly friendship. Uh, This is such an important topic uh, for you as an individual. I think for the health of your life, uh, the health of a church, we need to have good godly friendship. And I know that God's heart is to bring healing to your heart as well. If friendship is an area that's caused pain, or if friendship's an area that's caused disappointment, and you may find yourself in that position in life today where friendship is a sore spot for you. Uh, There may be a hole in your life and, and friendship is that missing piece. Well, I know that God wants to bring healing to that area, but He wants to bring practically great godly friends into your life. And God also wants to call you to be a great godly friend. And at the end, I'm going to spend a bit of time talking about friendship with God. Because what's so incredible is that because of Jesus Christ, so here's the Christmas reference, Jesus coming at Christmas, we can have friendship with God. And friendship with God is an incredible gift that we can have this side of eternity and the other side ongoing. So let me just pray for us as we get ready to get into the Word and uh, let's just devote and commit this time to God. Father, we just thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for your church. We thank you for your house. And we just celebrate we have this opportunity today to be together. Lord, to worship you and Father, to hear from you. And so God, we just invite you right now by your Spirit to speak to us, Lord God. Speak to our hearts speak to our minds, and we just pray, Lord, may what you want to say to each person, may it land on their heart, and we just pray right now across the room for good soil. Help us right now, Lord, Holy Spirit, supernaturally do a work in us so that we can receive all that you have for us this morning, in Jesus' mighty name, and the eighth row said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. That was a big eighth row. Wow. All right, so I'm going to speak today to establishing new friendships, strengthening old ones, And I hope to just help you evaluate a little bit the friends that you have um, and the friend that you are. So what does the Bible teach? The Bible teaches us that certainly as Christians, we're called not to just be a good friend by the world's standards or the world's definition, but we're called to be a godly friend by the Bibles. And why this topic is so relevant is that you are wired from the inside out to do life with others. You are constructed 
to do life in community. You're not designed to be alone. You're not designed to navigate life alone. And you're certainly not designed to do faith alone. In fact, it's impossible to live out the Christian walk in complete isolation. We're called into a body, uh, the body of Christ, to be the church. All that we can do missionally, evangelically, ministrially, spiritually is done through togetherness as Christ's body here on the earth. You are called to be a great blessing to others. And what's exciting is you are also able to be blessed by others. God wants to bless you and it's often through relationship with other people. It can get a little bit difficult as you get older. You may find this. uh, I found this. um, I'm in my 30s now. It's much harder now to stoke friendships and create them than it was when I was 14 or 15. And the school dynamic changes that a little bit because in school, uh, many of you would know, you're doing every day with the same people, oftentimes for years on end. I remember my mum used to encourage us boys at home when we were growing up to be friendly to everyone, but you don't have to be friends with everyone. And I'm starting to understand a little bit more about what that means because I also have a value for something that my mum used to say as well, which is that you want to have quality over quantity. And that is a bit of the misconception with school because at school you can have hundreds of friends. Certainly on social media, hundreds of friends, thousands of friends even. But what's more important is that you have really good friends, even better, really godly friends. And that doesn't have to be 70 people, it can be seven and you can draw great strength from that. You may have uh, some friendships in your life right now, but you feel like there's something missing. And I hope through this message that I may be able to identify what that is for you. Um, and you may not be aware of it, everybody, but you, you crave godly friendship because you're designed for it. So a couple of framing scriptures, and then we're going to get into some points. Uh, Proverbs 18.24 says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Uh, John 15 verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. So I will, at the end of this service, everybody, give you an incredible opportunity uh, to begin a relationship with God where you can walk with Him and you can know His love, know His forgiveness, and also know His friendship. So I've broken up uh, all the friendships today into three categories. I'm going to give some examples, some differences, and I'm breaking into three categories. We've got a category of good, being a good friend. Uh, I've got a category of being a godly friend. And then we've got a category for being a toxic friend. Now, toxic's a strong word, but, but I feel like out there in pop culture at the moment, we, we kind of know what that means, but you can also rephrase uh, it as uh, a green flag, a beige flag, and a red flag. Uh, red flag is toxic, good flag is the beige one, green is godly. Does that make sense? Yes. All right. <laughs> All right, so let's read some scripture and we'll get into our first point. So 1 Samuel 18 verse 4, this is about David and Jonathan in the Old Testament. And in scripture, they are an incredible example of a godly friendship. And is celebrated in scripture as a great example to you and I. So let's read 1 Samuel 18 verse 4 about David and Jonathan. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David and he loved him as himself. 
From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. I probably should have not read that last verse um, without uh, explaining it. He's making a covenant. The Bible's not saying if you're such good friends with someone, take your clothes off. It's saying he's making a covenant. So you don't have to do that anymore. For second service team, we won't read verse four. I'll just check that out. Better left not touched. Um, 1 Samuel 23, verse 16, a bit later. <laughs> Let's move on. It says this. I love this passage. 1 Samuel 23, verse 16. And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. Uh, Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. Okay, so point number one. Difference number one between these three categories today. We've got a friendship established on shared uh, interests is good. A friendship established on shared values is godly. And a friendship established on shared needs is toxic. So let's look at David and Jonathan a little bit more through this lens. And we, we can leave that up there, team. That'd be great. Here's what's so interesting about David and Jonathan. David was a shepherd and Jonathan was a prince. Jonathan had his own armour and David had a harp and a slingshot. Jonathan grew up in the palace and was trained in the art of war. David grew up in the little town of Bethlehem and was trained to tend sheep. Jonathan was the oldest son and in line to inherit the throne. David was the youngest of eight boys and anointed the next king in place of Jonathan. Jonathan was of the tribe of Benjamin, David the tribe of Judah. Despite their differences, they were the best of friends. And despite David actually taking something from Jonathan, they were the best of friends. And an incredible example to you and I. They came from very different backgrounds and had few things in common except this. They were both men of faith who loved serving God. They were both men of faith who served the living God. Sometimes we wrestle to make friendships because we can't find anybody like us. That's not what you're trying to do. Part of the challenge we face in establishing and maintaining friendships is we come out of a season uh, as children and sometimes as teenagers and young adults where most friendships are established purely based on interests. And you see this right away in any sort of school or university setting where you'll find clusters of the same people together. I remember when I was in school, there was the surfies. They had a spot that they sat, usually where they could see the ocean. What school in Midari, so you see that. There was the emos back then. Any any ex-emos here? I'll put put my hand up. I was a bit emo myself. But there was the chess club. Yeah. Yeah, okay. No one from the chess club here today. But there was always shared interests. And often you would find, certainly in a school setting, you find if there's a group of friends, they dress the same, their hair's the same, they go to the same places, uh, it's, and often, sometimes they get the same grades. It's all very interesting. <laughs> but as we mature, we, we care less and less about that. Yeah. But we often don't realise that that transition has happened in us. And we're confused as why we're not connected the same way as we once were to our surfy mates when we're now in our 30s. Because when we mature, our desire for depth and meaning changes. 
and we want connection to extend beyond just shared sports teams or style of clothing or music taste. It now extends to wanting to share something that means more. Sometimes we we find friendship with those who we share the same challenges with um, or we've shared the same experiences with. And now shared challenges and experiences are, are okay, they're good, and it's, it's one thing to be united by that. It's a whole other thing to be united by navigating those, those challenges and experiences via the same values. I'll just say that again. It's one thing to be united by having the same challenges. It's a whole other thing to be united by the values you're using to navigate those challenges. Otherwise, you can have a situation where it is the blind leading the blind. Um, and what unites us is our brokenness. Yes. And the problem with that is, is that your friendship is hinging on the fact that you stay broken. Yeah. And getting well means that you might lose something in common. Well, but you can be navigating the same pain, the same trial. But when you're united by, we are navigating this by the values of the Word of God. Yeah. We are navigating this together via the same thing. Yeah. That is way more functional than it is to be navigating it purely united by the pain or the challenge. Now, for that to work, to be navigating something through shared values, to be a friendship united by shared values, that puts a requirement on healthy transparency in a friendship. You won't know that you have shared values until you start talking about them. You'll be united purely by liking the same movies and playing the same video games and going for the same sports team until the topic of values comes up. And that's why healthy transparency is at the heart of any good friendship. And that's sharing truthfully, honestly. Here's here's something really important with boundaries and respect. It's not like you go for the first coffee catch-up ever at Dome and you get straight into business. First question, what are your life values? What's your life experience? Boundaries are great. Respect is great. But it's when we start to, through our friendship, as we share values, you truly get to know somebody. And I know from my experience, I can have you know, quite a few catch-ups with somebody. We can go for a coffee, go for a meal, go for a movie, and build some sort of connection, but it doesn't feel real and genuine until something like this comes up. Yeah. Hey, would you pray for me in this area? Mm-hmm. Or hey, could I get your advice on this? Or hey, you know what's really important to me in life is this. Hey, you know what's helping me navigate this season right now is this. Like, I'd love to talk UFC results with you. That's only going to keep us a little bit close. As soon as we start to get to, hey, what's something you do when you're parenting? Hey, what's something you're doing to connect with God right now? Hey, I've found it really hard to navigate this. Can you speak into that area of my life? Or, hey, can you champion me in this area? Can you hold me accountable to this sort of thing? That's when it starts to extend beyond interests and now it's values. Start to build a friendship where there's deep care, but also deep knowing. There's respect, there's empathy, and there's shared values. So here's a great question to ask for that to work. What values do you have? What values do you have? I think it's very important to be able to articulate what your life values are. As a Christian, we've got a bit of an... It's easier for us. Can we, we can just Google what are biblical values. Um, write them down somewhere in the mirror, whatever it is. But you'll begin to develop real values, things that matter to you. But also you've got to think about what values are you drawn to in others? What are you looking for? Because if you don't do this, what you'll look for is people like you. Who else plays footy? Who else plays drums? Who else is in, you know, the uh, the electricity industry or whatever it is? 
you're asking the wrong questions. It's, hey, what values am I looking for? Who is walking out who I hope to be? Who is walking out what I see in the Bible? And try and connect with those people. Another great question to ask everybody, if you're taking notes, maybe write this down. What values are currently uniting the friendships you have? Because they can be sometimes bad ones. You can sometimes be united by dysfunctional things. As I was saying before, you can be united by brokenness. You can be united by hatred for the same thing. There's things that you can be united by that are dysfunctional. You need to ask, hey, what values do I have? What values am I looking for? And what has united the friendships that I have right now? Atop the list should be a shared love for God, a shared love for people, and a shared love for His Word. Now, the the toxic one of those three uh, was shared needs. And you could rephrase this as shared need. And and this is a situation where the friendship is united by you both needing each other and being dependent on each other. And the friendship is existing because it's fulfilling a need for the person. It can be a felt need or a legitimate one. But the problem with that is, is once that need is met, the friendship's over. Or once that friendship's not fulfilling that need, the friendship's over. This function becomes essential to the the existence of those friendships. Um, Friendships are uh, incredible to have with people, but friendship with God is more important. I need my friendship with God. I love my friendship with you. But if something happens, it's okay. If you upset me, I'm going to be okay because my dependence is here, not here. So shared need is toxic. Difference number two, a friendship that challenges behaviours is good, a friendship that challenges character is godly, and a friendship that challenges nothing is toxic. So this now is talking about uh, getting to the roots of a person. And and I love that analogy or the illustration of a tree where our behaviours can be the leaves, but our character, our integrity, what's at the heart, that's the roots of the tree. And this is where the fr- a godly friendship gets beyond the surface to who you are, what motivates you, what's in your heart. And I, I like to put it this way. A good friendship accommodates you. A godly one changes you. So a good friendship accommodates you. A godly one changes you. One thing I've observed in my own life and others is that friendships that withstand the tension of challenge and disagreement with one another are far stronger than ones that have no tension and no challenge. If you have a friendship where you have a disagreement over something you're doing, maybe they've challenged your character, they've challenged the decision you've made, they've challenged the motive behind the decision you've made, you talk it out. When you come back, I'm telling you, that's a legit friendship. It has withstood feelings and is now united by values and it is, it is open to challenge. When you have a friendship where it's like on eggshells, that's not godly. If you can't bring certain things up, that's not godly. Godly friendships change you. And as we know of our faith is that change comes by getting rattled and ruffled and annoyed and frustrated. Some of the most godly friends I have, some of the most godly friendships Bianca and I have, have rubbed us the wrong way multiple times. I was actually thinking this morning as I was prepping, Ross and Amber are some of our closest friends. And Amber and Ross, they, they have irritated us. <laughs> In such a good way. 
Amber, I say this with all sincerity and in the nicest way possible, you have ruffled our feathers. And I'm going to follow that up by saying, praise God. Because she's pushed us and nudged us and Ross has challenged us and poked us. That, that's a godly friendship. That's a godly friendship. And I know they're doing it because they care. Coming back from healthy dialogue, real dialogue, stuff that's beyond the surface will strengthen a friendship. If you can't do that with certain friends, I question the, the depth and the authenticity of that friendship. Now, good friendships can come about from elapsed time. And that's a, a classic example is, hey, we've known each other since we were eight. And, and you know, now we're 52, we've got years behind us. And that's true, a good friendship can be from elapsed time. But I think that godly ones are often born through shared battles. Yeah. And that can be against the same thing. So hey, we have battled uh, in youth ministry together, or we have battled through life challenges together. We've, we've stood next to each other, shoulder to shoulder. We've carried each other's burdens. We've shared battles in business, whatever it might be. Um, and I know that too. Some of the people that I've like gone through ministry with and it's been tough and it's been like hard and we've stood together. Our friendship has been strengthened by these shared battles. The other shared battle you can have is a shared battle with each other. And that builds strength too. When it's done with the right motive and the right intent and it's before God and it's trying to help one another. So a challenging question. Do you accommodate poor behaviour? Or do you confront poor behaviour? Wow. If you're a Christian, do you accommodate ungodly behaviour or do you confront ungodly behaviour? Yeah. And it's like that, that saying, addressing the elephant in the room. Yeah. An elephant in the room, something that no one's addressing that is taking up all the space, taking up all the atmosphere. And that question is in the room of, is someone going to bring up X, Y, Z? Is someone going to mention that you did this? Is someone going to mention that I said this? It's often a case of having time together but pretending that something's not there with you. Now, we should desire and value authenticity, honesty, realness, transparency and true priorities. But those things do not come about without a lot of awkward tension. Awkwardness is a friend to evangelism for a start, but awkwardness is a friend to effective friendships. Because it's literally like you've got to address the elephant in the room. Hey, um, I just need to bring this up. I know we're at Paper Avenue, but hear me out. What you said the other day, I just got to speak to that. That was not cool. And then it's like, <clears throat> then the person comes over, arm and flat white. Like, just, just give us a minute. Like, it's, it's awkward. But that is helping the friendship. I would rather have that than not have the change that's about to come about from this awkward conversation. Christian or not, we like to think that we value authenticity, transparency, realness, until we have to outwork them because it's really hard. It's tough. I've been at places before my toes are curling and I haven't even said it yet. And then I get back in the car, my toes are still curled and I didn't bring it up. And then I turn to the passenger seat, massive elephant right there. Um, As a Christian, we can be good with challenging destructive behaviours, but not disobedient ones. And what I mean by that is it can be easy to be like, hey, stop getting drunk, stop stealing, stop beating people up. But we're less good with saying, hey, your attitude, the dishonour that you had, hey, the gossip you're doing. We find that a little bit harder. And we've got to be wary of that, that that kind of phrase or approach of, I love you the way you are. Because it should be, I love you too much to not mention 
I love you too much to not address this. Um, Luke chapter 6 says, Woe to you who everyone speaks well of. And that's this idea of not saying anything that's going to confront a person's behaviour. But it says, woe to you. There should be people that don't speak well of you for a season because you've challenged them. But then in six months' time, like I just did to Amber, thank God for you. I was so ticked off for you in March, but in August, I'm kissing you on the forehead. (laughs) Holding people to godly ways ruffles feathers. And sometimes we want to keep the peace, but really what you're doing is you're keeping the peace in that moment. And then that person's going to experience perhaps lack of peace for the next nine months. And you've got to remember that peace before God for a person is way more important than peace with you. So that person having peace before God is more important than them having peace with you. Matthew 7 verse 1 to 5, it says this, Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 5 as well. We're going to do the message version and then a little bit in the NIV just to get the the point across. It says this, 1 Corinthians 5 says, I I wrote you in my earlier letter that you shouldn't make yourselves at home among the sexually promiscuous. I didn't mean that you should have nothing at all to do with outsiders of that sort or with crooks, whether blue or white collar or with spiritual phonies for that matter. You'd have to leave the world entirely, entirely to do that. But I am saying that you shouldn't act as if everything is just fine when a friend who claims to be a Christian is promiscuous or a crooked is flip, uh, flip with God or rude to friends, gets drunk or becomes greedy and predatory. You can't just go along with this, treating it as acceptable behaviour. I'm not responsible for what the outsiders do, but don't we have some responsibility for those within our community of believers? God decides on the outsiders, but we need to decide when our brothers and sisters are out of line and if necessary, clean house. In the NIV, it says this, 1 Corinthians 5, 12, 13. What business, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, same scripture. What business is it of mine to judge those outside of the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. If we couldn't get any blunter, expel the wicked person from among you is pretty tough. If you're wondering what that means, it means expel the wicked person. <laughs> These are, these are it's seemingly conflicting passages of Scripture. Do I judge? Do I not judge? God's going to judge unbelievers. Yeah. Yeah. Within the church community, we've got to hold each other to godly standards, to yeah. biblical living. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we're more upset with the world's sin than our Christian friends. Yeah. But the thing is, is that the world doesn't know they're lost and they're blind, but our Christian yeah. friends do. Yeah. We need to be far more busy working on us. Yeah. Yeah. And it's easy for us to go, look at the dysfunction in the world. But it's like, firstly, as that first passage says, let's look at the dysfunction in me. I can be frustrated at what's happening in the culture, but let me be more frustrated at what's happening in me. And then as I walk in victory, empowered by the grace of God, and I'm getting victory in an area, I'm going to address something in my brother's life. I'm going to address something in my sister in Christ's life from a a place of love, but also from not a hypocritical place. 
We need to be more proactive in working on us, but also we need to realise as a family, as a team, as a church, we work together. God's coming back for a glorious church. And that's not just talking about the facade. It's talking about the inside. And that's all of us. There's that popular thing right now too, which is that idea of only God can judge me. Firstly, if people truly believe that, they, they should be more concerned. But it's just a quick way to get people to not address the elephants, right? Now, in terms of the condition of your soul and your eternal destination, that is true. God alone makes the call there. But in terms of your behaviour and and biblical living, we need to hold each other to that and help each other with that. For example, sometimes in Christian life, and and you, you would have probably had this experience if you've been around long enough, you might be telling someone else, hey, this person is currently doing this. They are currently seeing the enemy have a hold of an area in their life in this way. And then sometimes when people share that with me, my response is, didn't you just go down south with them for five days? Did you bring it up? Oh, no. Nah. So I was wondering if you could. So, like, well, just think about this. Our church is like 2,000 people. If it's just the pastor's job, that's about 400 each. At some point, maybe a little less. Leslie will figure out the numbers in the break. But anyway, we need all the body of believers to be helping each other live a godly life. You don't need a credential or a diploma in Christian ministry to be able to say to someone, hey, what you're doing is dangerous and unwise. And I'm bringing bringing that to your attention in love because I care about you. And you can do that on the way down south. And if it gets awkward in the car, pull off at Miami Bakehouse, take a minute, get back in and keep talking. But a good godly friendship is one that's full of those sorts of conversations. And here's what it needs to not be. It needs to not be a love of confrontation, but a a, a love of caring for one another's walk with God. Here's what it needs to not be. It needs to not be about building you up by bringing stuff to someone else or tearing them down. But it needs to be about righteousness, peace and joy. Here's the other thing you gotta be careful of as Christians, being someone that's like, I don't judge anyone, I don't judge anything, I don't judge any behaviours. It's dangerous if you don't make godly assessments on behaviour. Because if you don't, you're doomed to repeat it, or you can be seen to endorse it. Yeah. Uh, here's the other thing, right? So if you don't, if you don't make assessments on people's behaviour and choices in the name of not judging, you can live to tolerate it. And here's what happens: I'm just around so much gossip. I'm just around so much dishonour. Everyone around me is so cynical. You've lived to tolerate it. So people now know, oh, he's into gossip. He won't say anything, so he's a channel for gossip. If you don't hear any gossip, well done. It means people know you don't tolerate it. If you hear a lot, you didn't hear it from me, but I'm just saying. Here's the other thing. If you don't, don't, in the name of not judging people, don't bring up anything, you can be seen to endorse it. Which is, oh no, Mark's cool with it. George is cool with it. Um, Pastor Luke's one of those trendy pastors. He's one of those cool Christians. He's cool with that stuff. We've got to be careful not to do that because then you live to tolerate it or you seem to endorse it. And then the last one is the important thing. You're at risk of copying it. Me and Bianca often do this. We'll have a conversation. We'll make, hey, mental note. What that person did is unwise, ungodly and dangerous. And we're not, we're not, I'm not going on social media to make that statement. 
But I have to, as a Christian, be able to look at behaviours and say that was unwise and ungodly. I'm not going to copy that. I'm not going to endorse that. And I'm not going to be seen to be tolerating that. Um, Because it's going to help me in my walk with God. And it's going to help, ultimately, if I have a conversation with the person, if it's appropriate for me to do so, it's going to help them. Can Can I challenge you as well? Make friends with people who do challenge you in every way. Like there's people I don't like hanging out with because they're doing so good. <laughs> it's like they're just doing so well in life. That I'm just like, oh man, I need to step it up. I need to change this about me. That's good. Yeah. If I'm with people that like, I'm always the top in the room, that is a bad environment. Because yeah. I'm not inspired or challenged to go anywhere else. I'm in a room full of accommodation. I want to be in a room full of, of challenge. It's like, wow, I need, to, I need to go to another level. Their, their faith, their passion, their integrity, their work ethic, their wisdom. They're the people that you want to get around. Make sure you don't only befriend people who don't challenge you. I heard the Holy Ghost keys. I was like, what's the time? All right. <laughs> difference number three. Let's move right along. We might finish the rest in the next service, but difference number three is this. Uh, a friendship to the temporal is good. Uh, a friendship to the eternal is godly and a friendship to the immediate is toxic. Now, temporal, I'm not just speaking to time here, but the nature of things. Temporal things are, you know, things that come and go, assets, you know, positions, um, circumstance, whatever it might be. Immediate is that idea of, hey, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. I'm here for enjoyment, not for you. Uh, Proverbs 27 verse 6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Uh, the, the more famous translation of that scripture, which you may know, is the faithful are the wounds of a friend. And, and it's because sometimes a good godly friend will, will, in a moment, in the immediate, in the temporal, it hurts a little bit, but ultimately it's for your eternal good. And sometimes we just want to be those friends that multiply kisses. It's just, I have to do that because it's literally what it's talking about. It's just, you're amazing, you're amazing. That's why flattery can be a dangerous thing too. Be very careful. Because flattery becomes about them liking you, not necessarily you making an impact on their life. We've got to think about everybody making a shift from being a friend to the moment and being a friend to the future. It's this idea and this confidence of like, hey, dislike me today, but love me tomorrow. Otherwise, it's, hey, love me today with no regard for your tomorrow. So a couple of questions. Does friendship with me encourage godly behaviour? Does friendship with me hold me to godly convictions? Does friendship with me go beyond temporal comfort and look for long-term fruit in somebody's life? Good question to ask everybody is, what is my friendship? uh, What is friendship with me producing in them today, tomorrow and in 10 years? Have a deep care about people's eternity and their connection to God. And I'll just say this, you may have a friend who invited you today or you've been coming to church because a friend invited you. That is a great friend because they have risen above the awkwardness of the invite because of deep care for your connection to God, because of deep care for your eternity. And I'll just close with this scripture. Uh, Again, it's 1 Samuel 23, verse 16. It says, And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. Look for that quality in friends 
and develop that quality in you where you help others find strength in God. If you do nothing else as a friend, just help. Be somebody who's a source of helping helping you find strength in God. Be someone who helps others find strength in God. Be someone who, who helps position people closer to God, who helps position people uh, in, in obedience to the Word of God. And there's some incredible people in this room. And I think church is an incredible place to find friends. But it doesn't just happen like this. You know, we like to reference like fairy dust sometimes of just this happening where all of a sudden stuff gets fixed. Making godly friends and keeping godly friends takes work, takes in strategy, being intentional. And so I want to challenge you, uh, certainly as we head into the new year, 2024, set yourself some friendship goals. If you feel, hey, I've got no friends, I want to encourage you, make it a goal. Get focused about 2024. I'm going to be a godly friend. I'm going to find some godly friends. And I've got a practical tip. It's a monthly challenge. Who's ready for the monthly challenge? All right, here's the monthly challenge. Every month, organise a one-on-one catch-up with someone. Every month. So that's 12 times a year. And I'm going to just chuck one more in there, which is... Um, organize one group hang a month as well. One group hang a month. You know, it's a great strategy to do. If you feel like a lonely person, find all the other lonely people and go have dinner. And just strike up conversation. It starts with what your interests are and then eventually the values come out. You start to help each other on your journey. If you're a couple, do this with couples. If you're a young couple with young kids, do that. So, hey, once a month, we're going to find another couple in church with kids the same age as us. We're going to go meet at a park and hang out. And just every month, do that. And even a round robin's a good idea. If you've got the time, do a round robin. Find five people. I'm going to do a catch up with each of them this month. Have coffee and just see which one sticks. Because here's the thing. Give yourself permission to go, hey, it didn't gel well. Because that happens. I think sometimes as Christians, it's like, it's got to be awesome. Sometimes you just don't connect great with people. That's fine. It's all good. It doesn't mean that they're bad or you're bad or something's wrong. It's just, hey, we didn't, we didn't vibe well. And that's fine. So do a little round robin. And you might find one out of the five vibed well and then hang out. New friend. But you've got to be proactive. You've got to be proactive. Be strategic. And just know that God wants this for you. God wants to help you on this journey. Even as you go into the foyer at church, when you come next week, come to church and just say, God, open my eyes. Help me to see someone today who could be a great friend to me. But also help me to see today who needs a great friend. And I'm going to be that person. Come alongside them and help them. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.